Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Melvin, and this was... Just terrible. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by creator and host of the Reform Gamers podcast, Logan Sharp, and the two of us will look at Annabelle Yankel's and Rocky Morton's Super Mario Bros., Yes, it's that Super Mario Bros. movie, the video game movie we don't talk about. Logan Sharp of the Reform Gamers has been an incredibly helpful guide during my podcasting venture. Apart from his many years of podcasting experience, his heart overflows with wisdom and knowledge that has helped me to understand deeper what it is to be a Christian engaging culture in such an explicit manner. And it's because of his strong kindness that I couldn't help but take advantage of it, and demand we discuss one of the worst video game movies, if not the worst video game movie of all time, on the Cinematic Doctrine podcast. And after a period of successful video game movie releases, Pokemon Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog respectively, I felt it was good to ground ourselves and our expectations for the future. Sometimes, just sometimes, video game movies turn out horrendous. But also, it's their stereotypical failure that makes for hilariously good content. And in this joint episode of Cinematic Doctrine, you get to hear Logan and I try and figure out what the heck the Super Mario Bros. movie is all about. And it just might break us. Now, because Logan and I are going to try explaining to you what happens in the Super Mario Bros. movie, I'm going to give you the briefest of descriptions here so you can go in as blind as possible. As per the IMDb description... Two Brooklyn plumbers, Mario and Luigi, must travel to another dimension to rescue a princess from the evil dictator King Koopa and stop him from taking over the world. Super Mario Bros. is rated PG for sci-fi action, mild language, and sensuality. The sci-fi action is not the typical sci-fi action we usually talk about on the show. It's neither a Marvel film nor is it a Star Wars film. The action is very... elementary. It's not frightening, nor is it all that interesting. It's mostly weird, as is the whole movie. Even so, some sequences may still be frightening. They aren't grisly, but in the attempt to make things seem violent or threatening, they're really just dull and disgusting. So I don't really know what to think about that, nor do I really know how to describe it, in all honesty. The mild language is due to a single use of the S-word, a few uses of the Lord's name in vain, some H-E double hockey sticks, and a few bouts of name-calling. 
The sensuality is probably the weirdest thing about this movie. Basically, there's a scene, and I, I kid you not, in a strip club. Nothing overtly graphic is shown, and there's perhaps a single introductory cutaway of the movie to set this setting, and it's just weird. Apart from the movie itself, this is the most glaring evidence that the film went through a multitude of tone-changing scripts. How this got through to the final edit, I'm not sure. But in this scene, Mario does some stuff that's just downright weird and inappropriate, and knowing that this is coming from a character people know and love feels really strange. But it's not like anyone believes this is the real Mario anyway. Also, this isn't in the certificate, and I'm not sure how it would be listed to begin with, but in the opening sequence, there's a naked female baby born from an egg, like from a giant dinosaur egg. It's confusing and baffling in the first of many mistakes, but that's something still important to bring up. The more I introduce this movie, the more confused I get. Good, good luck getting through an hour of Logan and I trying to make sense of this. Now, before we head into our Super Mario Bros. discussion, I wanted to share real quick that if you come to enjoy Cinematic Doctrine, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Apart from that, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a website for independent content creators to raise support for their work. By creating an account on Patreon, you can select a content creator you like and support them with a monthly donation. If you enjoy Cinematic Doctrine and would like to support the show, consider donating, as it helps cover the cost of producing the podcast. And as a bonus, if you support Cinematic Doctrine for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss or review on the podcast. You also gain access to the Sindoc Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. And be sure to check out the Reform Gamers podcast. Their podcast is five years running, with plenty of discussions on video games in the Bible. Check them out on a variety of platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, and even YouTube. You can also support their show on Patreon as well, and receive access to early uncut episodes of the podcast, behind-the-scenes information, and other sweet perks. Without further ado, here's our thoughts on Super Mario Bros. This was interesting. <laughs> this was pretty tough. But before we get started, tell us a little about yourself again and, and where people can find you. Yeah, I am Logan. I'm the host of the Reform Gamers, or one of the hosts of the Reform Gamers, the show all about video games and biblical theology. It's a show that you can listen to. Uh, we release episodes every other week, and we usually try to cover at least one game a month, and then our second episode is usually a little bit more of a mystery box kind of thing. So uh, kind of like a mystery block in Mario, you download the episode, you never never, never really know what you're going to get. I guess unless you read the title of the episode, then you know exactly what you're going to get. But if you want to live dangerously, just download it and don't even look at the uh, the episode title and, and press play. But yeah, so we've been doing that show for almost five years now. It's a it's a good time if you want. If you like video games, if you like uh, biblical theology, then check our show out. Awesome. Yeah, I've really come to enjoy uh, your show and I always love plugging in and just kind of hearing about like it's funny. I, I think about how I watch a lot of YouTube commentators who are putting stuff up every day. Mm -hmm. But then I really look forward to like two weeks later. And this isn't a slight to just say like you guys relate to the party, but I really like how you guys marinate on topics before you start talking about them. 
yeah uh it's it makes for a really good uh, discussion and then also if you're coming at it from a christian perspective it you need the time <laughs> you need the time to really think about stuff well and and people know if anybody listening has listened to the show before i'm famous for what my flip-flops and so that's why we have to marinate on things it's really something adam put in place to keep me from running my mouth and then jumping back and forth all the time so so that's why we do it it's to keep me in check it makes sense. I mean, just now you were like, Castlevania games are bad. And then two minutes later, you're like, wait, <laughs> Castlevania games are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I made that very controversial post where I was like, Castlevania is overrated. And then I beat Super Castlevania and Symphony of the Night. And I was like, nope, I was wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sanctification at work. That's a that's a wonderful thing. See, that's really what it is. You, you know, you, you run your mouth as as an unsaved, unregenerate heathen, and then you get into <laughs> it, you get sanctified, and you're like, okay, I see the error of my ways. I repent. So, And you know what? God is good. God is faithful. It lets you know, mm-hmm. like, look, this is a good game. This is a game that will be on the new earth. You yep. can quote me on that. It's like, Logan, you're killing vampires. This is good. <laughs> this is great. So... I'm going to let you do the dirty work here. Why don't you go ahead and describe to our listeners what the Super Mario Brothers is about? Oh, my goodness. Um, How do you even describe this movie? This is a movie that came out in 1993, uh, centers around Mario and Luigi, adapted from the famous Super Mario Brothers game on the NES at the time. And it tries to adapt... The, the stuff from the game, uh, but it really takes place, well, it starts off in Brooklyn. Actually, the whole movie takes place in Brooklyn, but you go through different parallel dimensions. They wind up coming across uh, King Koopa. They're trying to rescue a princess. So it has a lot of the, the structure of, of a traditional Mario game, but there's a lot of creative licensing uh, that they took with the game or with the movie. Yeah, you get the idea. Adapting the game to the movie, that kind of thing. So it's 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 got it's got stuff in there from the games, but probably not in the way that you're expecting if you've never seen this movie. Yeah, isn't that weird how you would just constantly see something like, I know that word, thwomp. I, wait, is that a sign for a restaurant? This is, yeah. that's not a thwomp. That's, yeah, th- what a strange movie. I have to, I have to admit, when I, when we pressed play, on this movie, I had no idea anything about it apart from it was a Super Mario Brothers movie. It was bad. It's considered one of the worst films ever made, that kind of thing. But I didn't know the plot line. I didn't know much of the jokes uh, other than their first and last names are Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Right. That's about as much as I knew. I didn't even know the scene that it, that happened in, which just elevated how bizarre that entire sequence was. Uh, but we'll definitely get to that later because this this movie is like a gift that keeps on giving. The more I think about it, the more things that are both wrong yet so right at the same time. It's <laughs> definitely a gift that keeps giving it to you whether you want it to continue or yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. So before we get started into specifics, I think there's some really, really interesting little tidbits to kind of give some people some background to this movie as far as like production goes okay so first off casting wise danny devito was almost casted as mario are you serious i am dead serious (laughs) that would have been awesome (laughs) 
I can already imagine how like you have uh, you have Mario throwing eggs in other games, or I'm sorry, you have Yoshi throwing eggs in other games, and then he's just holding the egg. Can I offer you this egg in this trying time? I mean, he's already <laughs> doing it as far as uh, always Sunday, uh, always sunny in Philadelphia is concerned. But yeah, that I saw that and I was like, yeah, why wasn't he cast? That would have been perfect. Another casting, Tom Hanks was almost casted as Luigi. He even read some of the scripts. <laughs> Keyword some of, because it turns out there were many, many, many different scripts for this movie. I was going to say, he he probably read that one, and then that was enough for him to go, no, I'm just going to go do big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then we also have both Arnold Schwarzenegger and Michael Keaton almost casted as King Koopa, who, by the way, in this movie is basically Bowser. Oh, man, why could we not be in the timeline that had Arnold Schwarzenegger as King Koopa? Can you imagine him delivering that mud line where he's like, do you know what I like about mud? It's dirty and clean at the same time. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It would have been so good. (laughs) I mean, he's already covered in mud and Predator, so it would have worked out. Oh, my goodness. He could have hopped between movie sets and nobody would have known the difference. Uh, why was he bathing in mud? I don't, oh, it's just I don't know, man. Movie. Why did the, there's a lot of things that you just while you're watching this movie, you sit there and you ask just just why? 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 <laughs> it's just amazing. OK, so Dennis Hopper was casted to play King Koopa. He plays it throughout the entire movie. And when he was asked about which movie he regrets out of the 150 films he'd been in, Super Mario Brothers was his choice. In fact, he remembers talking to his son. And his son asked him, you know, why did you do this movie? And Hopper said, well, you needed shoes. And Hopper's son said, I didn't need shoes that badly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Even his kid recognizes how how rough this movie really is. Wow. I mean, people have been embarrassed from what their parents have done. But could you imagine if your 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 dad was bathing in in mud? as like a alternate dimension dinosaur king. He probably got made fun of at school. Like, haha, your dad's King Koopa in that bad Mario movie. <laughs> He's not even called Bowser the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah. They never really, did they ever call him Bowser? I don't remember. No, that. <laughs> no, man, <laughs> which, okay. So, I mean, classic Mario games, it was King Koopa. You'd save Daisy, stuff like that. Whatever. Sure. Okay, that's fair. But it was still, it's just surreal. Just surreal. You would have thought that when communicating with like, I mean, I guess it wasn't Nintendo of America unless it was. They would have found out like, yeah, his name's Bowser, but I don't know. Anyways, just crazy stuff. But that stuff was all fascinating to me. And I figure it's fascinating to other people. So why don't we go about in this direction? I thought this episode would be most enjoyable if we really just go through and try and explain what this movie is. Almost like scene for scene, but not really because we don't have an hour and a half to talk here. Sure. God forbid we talk about this movie for an hour and a half. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so again, I'm going to have you do the dirty work. Why don't you, why don't you start with mm, kind of wrap up the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie, if you can. Oh, man. Okay. Well, basically, the movie starts off with you're in Brooklyn. I forget what year it was, but it's pretty early on. And you see this lady running through the streets of Brooklyn she goes to, I guess, what would be an orphanage of sorts, knocks on the door profusely, leaves this little contraption on the doorstep, and then she runs off. Uh, and I think, I can't remember if you actually see her getting 
accosted by some of the different Koopa people or not, but the nuns basically open the door, bring this metal contraption thing in, and it opens up to reveal a giant dinosaur-looking egg, and you're like, like, what what is this? (laughs) And then you see the egg begin (laughs) to hatch, and there's a baby human in there, and I'm like, (laughs) that's not... (laughs) That's not how babies are made. That's not how they're born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and it's at this moment that you realize that this is going to have nothing to do with the game, really. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like um, nope, that's not, that was never in the game. That's not how it works. Yo- Yoshi makes eggs that hatch, but they don't create humans. It's, Oh my gosh, the first 15 minutes of this movie is so bad. But then you get transitioned over and you meet Mario and Luigi. They're plumbers that are trying to get work. They're all excited about work. Luigi's like obsessed with watching TV and the news and stuff like that. And so you see Luigi, like they're, so they, they get this job, they're going to work, they're getting money and all that jazz. And then you see, this, this kind of becomes a thing throughout the movie where Luigi has this this feeling, almost like a, a sixth sense or like a, a disturbance in the force sort of thing. So they're driving to the the job and they're like, oh, trust me, Mario, I've got this feeling. This is going to be a shortcut and we're going to get there. And we're going to make the money. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and then they get there, but their competitor plumbing company is already there. And he's like, oh, man. And I'm like, what is, like, at this point, this is where I stopped the movie and was like, Okay, I just realized I've never seen this movie through to through. I've only seen seen bits and pieces. But at this point, it's like, what the heck? What the heck? (laughs) It's just insane. It's insane. I I actually thought when I started the movie, I thought I was watching the wrong movie. I thought I picked out the wrong one, like literally thinking, okay, nothing has told me that this is a Mario Brothers movie. Usually you start a movie and you know, like, like if I watch a James Bond movie, I kind of know it's a James Bond movie within like the first five minutes. But the first five minutes of this movie, like you said, are lady runs to to monastery, drops off baby kind of in an egg. And you're like, what in the world is going on right now? Nothing in the in that opening sequence told me. I'm watching a Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. I know what I, I know what I'm in for, let alone watching a video game adaption. Just just bizarre. And even you started talking about like Mario and Luigi going off and and doing plumbing jobs like I guess I, they're called plumbers in the games, but we never see them do any plumbing. <laughs> they go into pipes, that's about it. And so then for them to hard commit to like oh they're they're driving around in their like ice cream van which looked like an ice cream van. Uh, tacked on with Mario Brothers on the side, doing actual plumbing jobs was just really. I, don't, I think to myself when I'm when I want to see a Mario Brothers adaption, I don't really want to see them plumbing. I guess I want to see them jump on Goombas. But I'm getting ahead of myself by even mentioning the word Goombas. So we'll <laughs> get to that a lot later. It's just madness. It really, Logan. Is. It's just madness. And and the frustrating thing about it is the movie opens up with the traditional Mario Brothers music. That's right. I totally forgot that. (laughs) Yeah, and so you go into it, and you're thinking, oh, man, this is going to be good. It's got the music. It's going to be faithful. And the giant, like, metal logo thing, like, slaps you across the face as it hits the screen. You're like, oh, that don't... This doesn't feel right. And then it just goes into it. And then that's when you, you realize that 
General Akbar tried to warn you. It's a trap. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. But yeah. So I'll go ahead and kind of continue that. I, I guess so they get to the they get to this job site. And it's not just a job site. It's also like a place where people are excavating dinosaur bones in the middle of Brooklyn underneath a bridge, yep. <laughs> which is just really bizarre. And it's not just that they're excavating dinosaur bones. They're going down into like a piping system and there's even railroad track. But then like in the middle of the railroad track, just beneath it is a is a perfectly preserved dinosaur bones, which is just stupid just so stupid yep none of it makes sense (laughs) none of it makes sense at all so i guess that's around the time we're introduced to the fact that there there are women going missing in the movie uh which was interesting and then there's these two goons whose names i forget i actually no i think they were named after koopa kids really i think one was named iggy and i think one of the other i can't remember the other one's name hmm but then I just realized, dawned on me, isn't there one of the Koopa kids is named Iggy? I can't remember. I, I only so. remember them from like from uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. I think he's the one with like the blue mohawk, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of look like punks, but they don't look like Koopas. No, <laughs> at all. They look like the dudes from uh, Night at the Roxbury, almost, or like what, like a concept of them or something. Yeah, or like something from Lost Boys. They just yeah. look like they look like caricatures. It's really strange. So. We're then led to suspect that they're the ones going around abducting women. And you're like, okay, first off, the premise of abducting women is seems a little more mature than a Super Mario Brothers uh, game. Yeah. And then just feel it just feels weird. And this is kind of one of the things that leads into this constant battle between tonal shifts of kind of accessible to kids. I mean, there's a lot. The soundtrack is very much fed into an accessibility for children. But then what's happening on screen oftentimes doesn't fit that right or just isn't good and so you're actually left really confused more than anything so you're then introduced to this one girl who then luigi gets in, infatuated with which was really strange i don't i think it was like luigi's on the phone with somebody and then this girl comes up and is waiting and luigi just sort of gives the phone to her lets her use her quarter his quarter to uh, make a phone call he steps away, but then she's just like, thanks for letting me use the phone, and then starts introducing herself and having a full-on conversation with him, which I just felt was really strange. I mean, if you were to – I mean, we don't have pay phones anymore. Right. That's done. <laughs> we're not in that world anymore. But I imagine if you were to, like, had borrowed somebody else's quarter, you'd just be like, hey, thanks, bro, and then you just walk away. It, it was very strange, and it felt really just out of place because, let's be honest, this is Brooklyn, Right. I don't think anyone's going to just just react that way. If anyone is listening that lives in Brooklyn, you let us know. But I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. But apparently that that sharing of the quarter thing was enough for them to become like infatuated with each other and like, oh, we should be we should be together. And it's like, wow, this sounds like something you would hear at a Christian seminary with a with a dude who's trying to, you know, <laughs> yeah. ring by spring kind of thing going on. And it's just. Oh, my Lanta. It it was weird. It was so weird. And, and I didn't. It was really weird. And, and it felt like that that right there is indicative of their whole interaction throughout the rest of the movie. Because I just never really bought it. Because I'm like, this doesn't. Like, it, it, you see this kind of thing going on in, like, Disney movies and you kind of get it. It's like, whatever. But in here, it's like, it just, it felt forced, I guess. Random? I don't know. One of those things. So I mentioned how there are different scripts. 
and tons of different scripts. And basically during the transition from initially being a fantasy story that then they realized was going to be too big a budget. And so they cut it down, transitioned into sort of a, a satire comedy on fairy tales, which then further transitioned into before I get into we get into it later, but transitioned into basically a sci-fi, uh, an adult sci-fi. So you have this mixture of wanting to have a fairy tale thing, like you mentioned, a Disney movie, where like these people meet each other and they're infatuated and now they're going to be the hook that keeps us engaged. But also having it set in Brooklyn and it's kind of like it looks a little dirty. So obviously it's not really. Well, maybe it's really like Brooklyn. I don't know. I ain't I ain't ever been there. <laughs> but it's just everything looks nothing seems to fit what's actually trying to be told to you which I'll confess is something that actually kept me really interested. I had a lot of fun about having like the tone switched on me every five minutes, but that's just because having seen so many movies, I like when things just get weird. Uh, but yeah, it was just strange. So they end up getting interested in each other. I am completely blanking out on what really happens next. All I know is that she gets abducted. And so now they're running off to go save her, right? Well, they uh, they go down because they heard an explosion. Or no, 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 no. They, they then go on a date uh, after all this. And I might be getting this mixed up. But they go on a double date because it's Mario and... Um, oh, I can't remember uh, his girlfriend's name with, with the with the black hair and the kind of pink somewhat dress. I think she might have been... Not Peach. It's not Peach. Mario and not but, Peach. But, yeah. So they go on a date. <laughs> Luigi and Daisy are there. They're talking and stuff and having awkward conversations. And uh, <laughs> I just remember because Luigi has this really weird line. He's like, what are you doing after this? And Daisy's like, oh, nothing. He's like, cool. I would like to walk you home. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, who talks like this? Who, <laughs> who talks like this? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody on the face of the earth. So they, they do that. They, they, they walk her home and they wind up hanging out or something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wind up hanging out. She takes him to go see the excavation stuff, the, the dinosaur bones. And then all of a sudden they hear an explosion. They see Scapelli, which is like this gang dude uh, that's been trying to get them to stop excavating. And they see his goons run out. They see like water shooting everywhere. And she's like, Luigi, you got to do something. He's like, I do. And she's like, yeah, you're a plumber. He's like, oh, right. I am a plumber. It's like, oh, my gosh, this movie. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so he goes to try and fix stuff. But through a series of events, she winds up getting pulled through a portal through a, like a solid rock wall. And Mario, I don't even know how Mario gets there. This movie, like, again, I might have been suppressing some of the bad stuff. I remember now it was um, they go down there. The thing explodes and water's coming out everywhere. He's like, oh, right. I am a plumber. <laughs> they basically warp back home. <laughs> and like they get Mario and then they're immediately back. And it was like, okay, you could have just scripted out Mario was with them already, but it was just weird because they're like, Oh, I know what to do. It was a warp zone. All right. It's just, this movie is too much like the Mario <laughs> brothers. When I really start to think about it, <laughs> it's just, it's just bonkers and it doesn't make sense. So they come back and they fix it. And then they, yeah, that's when, uh, the Koopa bros, I don't know what we're going to call them. We'll just call them the Koopa, Koopa bros, bros. Iggy and the other guy. I like it. They end up showing up and they knock Mario and Luigi out. They abduct Daisy and they take her to they just jump through a wall and like portal through it. And so everyone's like, what's going on? Because this isn't Mario and Luigi in Mushroom Kingdom. This is Mario and Luigi in Brooklyn. So everything is weird now. Brooklyn, 65 million years ago, even. And that's when we don't go to the Mushroom Kingdom. We go to a place called Dino Land. Mm. Isn't that great? Dino Land. Well, OK, so I think in Super Mario Brothers 3 
or one of them there is like a dino land i feel like i kind of remember that but but it's not like this no not at all <laughs> it's not the same <laughs> it's nothing like this which is a good time to mention this really really cute fact Shigeru Miyamoto said that he felt that this movie was too much like the Mario Brothers. What? He said, I feel like this movie was trying to adapt Mario Brothers more than it was trying to be its own movie, and that's why it failed. Okay. All right. <laughs> sure. I think I think there's a part of me that, that may agree with him. That, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, I think part of me might agree with him a little bit, but at the same time... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that'll make for a really interesting end discussion, but that almost feels like it needs to be thrown in here because I think everything we've said so far does not sound like what we would think a Mario Brothers movie would have. When I think of a Mario Brothers movie, I think of something like Paper Mario or Mario and Luigi. Right. Where exactly. you can have like a strong story and strong characters and you just got to kind of embrace the weirdness of the world of Mario, not not try and just be weird and call it a Mario Brothers movie. And that's the thing with this movie. I think I think if they would have just removed all the Mario stuff, like, well, people probably wouldn't have watched it to begin with. But <laughs> I think if they would have removed that and just had it be its own movie, then it would have been, I guess, somewhat serviceable. But then again, they, no one probably would have watched it either. I don't know. I just... Eh. Maybe maybe Miyamoto was onto something. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's so strange. So yeah, they teleport through, the, or they go through this teleporter. It's a uh, the next part of the warp zone. They step outside, and you would be forgiven if you thought they stepped into something like Blade Runner. Yes, or Total Recall. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, any sort of dystopian postmodern story. In fact, I think, and I couldn't fact check this. I just saw it, and so I'll, I'll consider it a rumor, which is weird to say for something twenty some years old. But supposedly the set designer was the same as Blade Runner. Wow. So I kind of find that a little interesting. But this doesn't even need me to confirm it because I read it as a quote from the director. They said they were glad to try and imitate Blade Runner because they said Blade Runner had one street to work with, but we have levels. Uh And the reason he says that is because they were working in an old factory. So they had the street level and then they had sort of a catwalk, which people could walk on, you know, for like the sidewalk equivalent. And then even up above, which I will I will say, I like the set, even if it's weird. I mean, like we mentioned before, there's a thwomp restaurant or something. And there's like a bunch of there's just constant words from Mario Brothers that are in the world of this movie that aren't the same as the games. It's an adaption. I'll just say that it is a way to adapt things. I'm just not quite sure. It's <laughs> it's sort of like the equivalent of translating things like, yeah, you could be saying the same word, but your definition is completely different and lost yep. on me. Or it sounds off, in which case this whole thing is off. <laughs> a lot of its translation. Yeah. Yep. But I, I will agree when I first saw that, because, again, like it, uh, watching this movie for this episode, I realized I had never seen this movie all the way through. I had only seen bits and pieces. And so when you first get to this, that mm-hmm. was what I first thought of. I was like, man, this reminds me of Blade Runner. Like, this is kind of this is kind of cool. OK, I could get with this. And then it just it just it it continues. It, it continues. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I it doesn't stop because they run into uh, and I can't remember again. I obviously must not have paid very much attention to this if I can't remember anybody's name. But they ran into. 
some lady that was trying to take the meteor rock from Mario and Luigi, but then this this lady in like a red, almost like biker metal kind of outfit thing shows up, knocks her out, takes it, and then jumps away with these like weird rocket boot thingies. Yeah. <laughs> Why were there rocket yeah. boots? Yeah, that's right. So to clarify, there's a meteorite that basically you'll find out later the bad guy wants to recon if he if he can fit it to all together, like fix this meteorite, find the missing shard. Uh, his world, Dino Land, and <laughs> Dino Land. I just can't believe it. His world, Dino Land, and modern Brooklyn will unite. <laughs> why? Why would you want that? I'm not quite he wants sure. It. But by this point in the movie, the Mario Brothers had the stone, but then somebody steals it from them. And yeah, she like grabs it, and then she clicks her heels, and then she starts flying. And it's it's so <laughs> awkward too. And it keeps happening. It's it's super yes. long. Like she jumps in the air, and you think it's gonna be over in like three seconds. Like whoa, that was cool. But it's sort of like she just kind of slowly hovers, like a warlock in Destiny. Like she just kind of moves comfortably slow across. And Mario and Luigi are like, "No, stop it! You stole that from us!" And you're like, "Are you gonna run after her? You could just run across the catwalk." I was gonna say there was a catwalk right there, and I'm like, "You guys literally could have ran across that thing and stopped her." Like and she wasn't that fast. They would have been there in time. <laughs> it's just I weird. guess the plot was holding them back. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I've that, always that plot. That evil it's plot in the way. The worst. So why don't you go ahead and take us through the next uh, couple minutes, as far as you can handle? Man, I don't even know if I remember what happened next. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, so I think I think there's like King Koopa stuff. I think we finally meet him. Is that it? Because I know, I think so. Because he's talking to the lady with red hair again. I didn't pay attention to any of these characters' names, obviously. But they're talking about their plan, what they're trying to do. You see some of the Goombas, but you're like these big, muscular-looking things, but with really tiny reptile yeah. heads. I don't. They're really scary looking for something about them frightened me every time I saw them. They're definitely unsettling. Like it's not. Yeah. It, I think it's the small heads, but they're. Oh, man. And now I'm getting this confused with Halloween Town, too, because my wife was watching it at the same time I was watching this. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but yeah, you learn about their plan because they're trying to find the princess because I guess they need the princess in order to have their plan and these two dudes that they keep sending into modern day Brooklyn to find the princess, keep screwing up and they keep failing at it. And Koopa's mad about it. And it, I don't know. Is there a point where Mario and Luigi go into like, not necessarily a bar, but like a, a, a restaurant kind of thing. And that's where they meet toad. So they're, I think they're on the street and yeah, toad. Okay. This is another case in which like the name is there, but it's not the no. same thing. <laughs> he, he's just some dude. He's some punk who plays music and he's, his name is toad and he's singing a song. So for background's sake, King Koopa is the, the dystopian ruler and there's posters up everywhere saying like King, King Koopa is sensitive, I think. And he's like kissing a baby. Oh, wow. And like another one is King Koopa is an environmentalist. And the poster, I think, has him holding like something to like clean. Some, oh, I'm not really quite gosh. sure. Um, and so now Toad is there singing a song that's like anti-King Koopa. And he's immediately arrested. And it's actually really quite funny because but while that's all going on, you're going... That's not a toad. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're still processing. Like, wait, you just called him Toad? 
oh, it's just one guy. One guy's named Toad. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Because then Mario's like, well, you can't arrest him because for just singing a song? That's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. That's right. I remember that. That's right. Now. That's right. And then they get arrested and they go to yeah. jail. Oh my He's gosh. Like, what? I'm being arrested for being a plumber. <laughs> I, I can't be a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm right. It's like, what is this movie, man? Because, oh. That's because Koopa put out that plumber alert thing, and I'm and everyone's that's right. And everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> King Koopa right. needs a plumber." I don't know why he needs a plumber, but he needs a plumber. And I'm like, "What is this movie, man? <laughs> yeah. What is this movie?" Yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness! Yeah, so they go to they go to jail, and this is when you get the the glorious Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario uh, <laughs> line. Yeah, but it's it was not in the way I expected it to be. Uh. They're they're being um. They're being in- introduced to the jail. I don't know the terms. I've never been to jail. I don't. I don't watch enough enough uh, true crime shows to know the process. But basically, they're I, being. I think, like, I think. I think they're being booked. Yes, is what it is. Yeah. So they. So they're standing there and they're saying their names, but then it cuts to um the the chieftain or chief chieftain, huh? I don't know these words <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if they could just change words to say this is a toad or that's a thwomp then i can say words whenever i want to i was about to say dude this is dino land there are no rules if you want to call that dude a chieftain you go for it man he's the chieftain of police i just remember they go to the desert too and i don't even remember why i just well they go to the desert after they this movie goes everywhere they go to the desert after they get out of the police station because they take one of the cars and get in this like batman return style escape with the cars <laughs> <laughs> and then the fungus saves them oh, the f- oh my gosh yeah oh this is a wild ride like it lit- it literally it literally sounds like we're the ones on shrooms right now instead of instead of mario yeah. and luigi in the game you know come on Logie, you gotta trust I the fungus don't dude. even come on don't even uh, this is like a fever dream i'm just remember things i just remember things as like the more we talk about it and it just makes me more scared um, and I don't know if I'm shivering because of the movie or this coffee, but it's just like insane. It's definitely the movie. <laughs> so, so they get booked, whatever, and then they end up escaping. And this is another moment where the music makes it sound like it's some, supposed to be something like fun for kids, mm-hmm. but it's really not. I mean, they're being booked. They're having their um their mug shots taken, but they literally thought they were at a firing squad. <laughs> and so, like, if you're watching this, you're like screaming because you're like, oh my gosh, are they really gonna do this? And then they're going through like it's they're not they're like going through a shower. <laughs> and you're like, they're just being tortured right now. But the music is all really happy and funny because it's really kooky and crazy. And it was just so weird. So and their prison cells aren't even like cells. They're in like cages that are like it's almost like a chain link fence, but that completely surrounds you. Oh, my goodness. Just so weird. But yeah, so then they escape and now they're in the middle of a desert. Yeah. Just how did we get here? Why are we in a desert? What is this like? It's not Mega City One. This isn't Judge Dredd. But here we are. I think they were trying to get some Mad Max vibes going in there. Just just hit. This movie is really like the now that's what I call movies of the 80s. Basically. Let's just get everything in there. Let's get Blade Runner. Let's get Mad Max. Let's get, I don't know. It It's a, it's a thing. It's a thing. But. It is definitely a thing. Isn't this about the time where Koopa. Because we. Oh, that's what it was. Because they did the whole de-evolution thing before they escaped from the police station 
and they did that to Toad, and that's how he became a Goomba. And then he did that. They do that to the the goons shortly after, but they have this way of making them evolve even further to where they're smarter, and they're trying to... Like, he's trying to get them to go find Daisy. I don't even remember. I just remember them getting put into that de-evolution machine, and then they wind up getting smarter, but they wind up getting more annoying. I think the only benefit I can say to, like, that when they when they go from being really dumb to really smart is that the actors did a really good job of trans changing their performances. Um, their voices even sounded completely different, which was actually like, I was like, oh, okay, that's you guys are trying to do your best and you're doing your best in the midst of something. That's the absolute worst. Yeah. So I thought that was actually kind of cool, but yeah, they end up showing up in the desert too. And that's when it really felt like Mad Max or Mad Max. That's a restaurant, <laughs> Mad Max. But yeah, their vehicle was like, a go-kart oh but my covered gosh. in cardboard yes, it was. stabby things. That was the weirdest thing. Oh. And they were really smart, but they still drove it off a cliff. Yeah, so it obviously didn't work too well. And then, that's right, because Mario and Luigi wind up capturing them. Mm-hmm. They work out a deal. That's right, because that's when they tell them about the, the meteor rock, and that's what they're looking for. That's right, now it's coming back into focus. So they're telling Mario and Luigi... Uh, about the meteor rock and then they tell them that, that some some lady stole it when they first got to to dino land and they're like oh yeah we know who that is we can go get it and then they go and they leave there they go back to brooklyn uh to get it and i don't even remember how they even got it back i know they wind up meeting her and they somehow get the meteor rock back but i can't remember exactly how they did it <laughs> It's like the most memorable scene for me. I can't believe you don't remember this scene. I must have blacked out or something then. So you had talked about earlier, like, did they go to a restaurant and did they meet Toad? And it's like, no, they met them on the street. They do go to an establishment. (laughs) They do go to a place. But it's like, it's like, I mean, it's not a gentleman's club. (laughs) As much as I hate using that term, like, because it's such an adoption of the word gentleman. It's so disgusting. But but it's kind of a gentleman's club. <laughs> they they end up going to this. They get back into Dino Land. They get back in there with uh with the with the Koopa brothers, and they have to go find the rock. This this woman stole it in the first act of the well, kind of the beginning of the second act of the movie, and now they're getting it for the third act of the movie. And they find out she's dancing at this club, and it's like I think this is where so. So I mentioned before the transition of the script, I mentioned how it kind of went from fantasy to adult and then to sci-fi. So this is around the time I think it was the, the, the biggest indicator, the most glaring indicator that this film was totally different but when it was filming and then completely changed in the editing room. In fact, I believe the directors were locked out. It was a, it was a husband and wife couple. They were locked out of the editing room by producers because what the producers wanted was like, wait a minute. You just made kind of a mature film, but eight-year-olds play Super Mario Brothers. So you need to make it, we need to make this appropriate for eight-year-olds to watch. And you only get this shot briefly, and it's someone in the distance, but it's basically a woman dancing at a pole. And you're like, what? What is happening right now? And then it cuts to Mario and Luigi walking into this club, and they now have to get this stone back, this piece of um, of the meteorite back. And Mario's like, I know what to do. I'll put the moves on her and I'll get it. And he walks up. He says something to her. She punches him. He gets knocked out. He gets back up. And then he basically says, 
dance with me and you can punch me all you want or something like that. And it was just like, so I'm laughing because there's such a tonal just confusion going on. And I'm also going, I can't believe they're doing this, but I'm also like, there's, there's something and I don't, I don't, I always feel convicted about this whenever there's something like this going on, but there's something disgusting about that balance of like, this is what you wanted to do. Now we're trying to suppress it. We're still going to call this a kid's movie and then we're going to put it out there. I don't know if you feel the same way with some movies where like, like Angry Birds, like three years or I think it was like 2015 came out and it's like got such a mixture of constant adult humor but it's subtle enough that if you're an adult you'll get it but then like if your kid is starting to get smart they're gonna have questions about like what does that joke mean dad and you're like well now i have to have this conversation i didn't want to wow i am so glad that i don't remember this scene at all (laughs) i i'm amazed you don't remember this scene it's like in persona 5 where they spent an entire the entire first dungeon of this game going after a guy who is uh, manipulating and sexually exploiting female students and then later on the game you have a section where you're like ogling the female members of of the group and it's like dude you can't have your cake and eat it too you have just undermined the entire thing that you set up and, and was speaking out against it doesn't work like that yeah and so it yeah it's exactly what they're doing here they're trying to make it a kids movie but it's that weird tension of where they're trying to appease the parents who probably got suckered into bringing their kids to this but they try to course correct so much that they wind up going off the rails and making it what's the word too much is is the only thing i can think of is it's it's too much yeah it's definitely too much in fact i think um during the the late editions of the script the plan was we wanted to kind of mature it or they wanted to kind of mature it because it was amidst the time when video games were looked down upon, parents didn't really like them, there was a big push against them. I mean, I guess Mortal Kombat, what came out like a year or two before, I'm not really quite sure. Mm -hmm. So what they wanted to do was make video games cool. They wanted parents to get hip and cool with it and like kind of like it all and stuff like that. But you don't do that by putting in mature themes like that. That's like immature themes in, in reality. Mature themes would be having a really good character arc between two brothers who persevere through adventures. I don't think there's like a moment in this where they, where Mario and Luigi have a falling out and it's like a video game of Mario and Luigi doesn't really have that. But for a movie, when you have to adapt it to a movie, you kind of need something like that to get people, I don't know, emotionally engaged, even if it's weak. Right. Um, Cause there are plenty of movies that like you'll have your falling, your second act falling out, which I believe is, what the term is usually called. And most of the time you kind of just roll your eyes and like, okay, well we're at that point in the story. Everyone's got to break up just so then they can come back together and, and succeed in the end. But this movie doesn't really do that. And it decides mature, effective storytelling is just putting in really weird kind of mature things. It's just weird. I mean, we talked about the mud bath thing where it's like, it's not just a, you can't have your cake and eat it too thing. It's a, you can't have your brain and not have your brain at the same time. Right. Like I get, you're trying to be creative and you're trying to get people engaged, especially adults who at the time were very much against it. And even nowadays, I think we have a subtle transition where people are still kind of embittered about video games and video game culture, despite the strides and transitions that have been made lately, especially the industry being as big as it is. Not that an industry is an example of moral choices and ethics. Sure. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just really strange to see like a commitment to try and 
and push that. But off of my soapbox, besides I didn't even like prepare to have a soapbox. So now I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> you just kind of built it as you were talking. So <laughs> then you found yourself standing on one. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, welcome to Cinematic Doctrine where podcasts don't matter. And I don't know what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> so. it even goes into the part where Koopa, like they wind up bringing Daisy to Koopa. And like he has this conversation with her. Um, oh, yeah. About like what had oh. happened with her dad and, and that kind of thing. And he makes some kind of reference that like they're going to be together or something like that. I remember there being some really weird wording to where it sounded like they were going to be a thing. Like she was going to be his queen or something like that. But it, the wording on it, I remember it being kind of unsettling because yeah. of that, it being a kid's movie. And it's like this, that sounds a little too adult for uh, a kid's movie so yeah it, it, it's that thing where it's just they couldn't find a balance between the tone of the movie and they kept trying they kept oscillating back and forth to where it honestly just gives you whiplash so much that it's like i like it just goes back to the thing we've been asking this entire time what am i watching <laughs> what am i watching i'm curious though if you are unsettled because of the dialogue or because of yoshi no i loved yoshi I thought Yoshi was cool. <laughs> Yoshi was my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> I liked him when he wasn't in a wide shot and you saw his skeletal like body. <laughs> I liked him when it was just like just the face and yeah. nothing else. And he was just being cute. But then like they do these wide shots and you're like, oh, my gosh, it looks so skeletal. <laughs> yep. It's just really freaky. Like give that guy a shell. No, I'll take I'll take Yoshi and all of his skeleton. You know, actually, this has made me think, you know, in the office when they're like, does Stanley have a mustache or not? We were watching this movie and my <laughs> wife and I, yeah, well, my wife and I were like, does Yoshi usually have a shell or not? And we couldn't figure it out. Like, okay, I know you can ride Yoshi, but does he have a shell? He's got a saddle, right? I don't know. It's not a shell. Even right now. I haven't even looked it up. I'm sure I've seen a picture of Yoshi, but I just like, in, the, in like the last 72 hours, I definitely have seen a picture of Yoshi, but like. I don't know. Just like Stanley's mustache. Does he have one? I Even now, I, I think oh. he does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yoshi does have a shell on his back. He does? That's a saddle. That's a shell. Did you look it up or are you just like... I'm looking at it now. It looks like a shell, but I guess it could be a saddle. Nope, that's... Nope, that's... That's big Yoshi. <laughs> yeah. See, I've seen big Yoshi. <laughs> There's this red bump on his back. It. I don't know, man. Nothing makes sense anymore. Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> this is like I was just fighting myself from making a cancer joke. But I was like, no, nope, can't put that. In there. Like, poor, poor Yoshi. It's not a. This is why you jump off of him because you don't want the cancer cells to get on your body. <laughs> You know, you know what would make this even better? What would make it even better is if Arnold was King Koopa. <laughs> it's not a Tuma. <laughs> yeah, it's not a shell. Come on, it's not a Tuma, it's a shell. What are you doing? Come on. It's not cancer spells. It's a saddle. Come on, get to the Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> where, where were we on that? Yoshi. We were talking about Yoshi. Because we were talking about Yoshi, and then we got sidetracked with whether or not he has a shell on his back. I remember that because you said that, that you liked Yoshi when you, when it wasn't a wide shot. 
and then you still yeah that's right that's right oh man it's not a shell man it's a tumor (laughs) (laughs) oh man Yoshi gets stabbed, though. Can we talk about that? Yoshi gets stabbed. I was not expecting because, again, remember, you know, I've said this before. Hadn't watched this movie in its entirety before, you know, before now watching it for this episode. I was completely sidewinded by that because it's kind of it's not it's not graphic. Like, you know, blood starts shooting out of him or anything. It's nothing graphic like that. It's just kind of out of nowhere because uh, what is it? Yoshi is trying to red haired lady that is with King Koopa comes in. Uh, pulls Daisy to the side from the other girls and is talking to her. And then she tries to uh, do something. I think, I don't know if she tries to kill her or what, but Yoshi helps her out, uh, helps Daisy out by, you know, doing that classic tongue uh, thing where he does, where he kind of like bends down, shoots his tongue out, pulls the thing, <laughs> the classic tongue thing. And uh, yeah, I'm not, words are hard, but he, uh, he does that. <laughs> and then she like pulls a dagger out and stabs him in the side. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, it's again, it goes back to the whole issue of not really having a proper consistent tone with the movie. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of dark. It's like in the first Ninja Turtles movie when the foot clan kidnaps Raphael and starts beating him and then they throw him through the skylight. And it's like, whoa, this is dark, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a similar thing in tone where it's like this movie just got really dark out of nowhere. So, yeah, but heartbreaking, though. I was like, you can't do my boy Yoshi like that. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? She's so pure. Exactly. Never mind the fact that I may have used him as a springboard to get past jumps in the video games. That's besides the point. (laughs) This is uncalled for. Yeah, Yeah. just not fair. It's only cool when I get rid of him, not you. Exactly. (laughs) You can't do that. Exactly. So we have Yoshi. Yoshi shows up, gets stabbed. That's his arc. Yeah. What happens after that, though? This It's such a bizarre thing because it's one of those movies where so much happens. And so you kind of have to figure out, like, when you think about the movie, I mean, anyone listening knows that there's been constant, like, like we're getting flashbacks in the middle of our discussion here. If this was like an anime episode or like some sort of grand battle, we would cut away for like three episodes because right. there's just so much to remember. So Yoshi gets stabbed. What's her name? The red haired lady basically has this plan where she's like, well, King Koopa is not going to, I don't know. I'm not going to be the queen. He wants to make Daisy the queen. Cause he's kind of creepy. And that that's right. So now she's like, all right, I'm going to just go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to fix the meteorite. I'm going to unite the worlds and I'll become queen. Yeah. At this point, I think this is when the story got the most, not confusing. It just sort of felt like, there were so many things starting to happen. And when a lot of the movie is you trying to process how much has changed, by the time you've accepted that everything's going to be completely different than what you thought a Mario Brothers movie will be, now you're starting to have so much new stuff happen that you're like, whoa, whoa hold up. I'm not ready for that. I only just realized, like, look, a toad was not <laughs> some little dude with a mushroom cap. Right. All right. And then you told me that a Goomba was a giant Jack dude with a tiny head who looks like a just a nightmare. And I'm over here like I expected them to be little tiny dudes, kind of like cats. Like I, I'm not expecting them to be like this. So by the time you get to the end of the film, we're now wrapping up. We're kind of wrapping up like, OK, she's red haired ladies trying to unite the worlds. Got it. Mario and Luigi have to sneak into the base and do something they have to sneak into bowser's castle basically king koopa's dystopian factory they're trying to rescue daisy in them and that's why the two um goomba dudes iggy and spike are helping them in there and all of a sudden they start wearing their 
Mario gear and their Mario right, outfits. Yeah. And so they're sneaking in um, and trying to rescue her. And they wind up doing that to get everybody out. But then Koopa cuts them off in the middle of the city with like a flamethrower or rocket launcher. I don't know. I wasn't even sure what that thing was. I think they were. I think it was supposed to be rocket launchers, but then they had the flames come out like a um, like a muzzle flash. But the muzzle flash of the flames were so massive that most of the time you were like, I think that's a flamethrower. But like three or four times you saw, saw the fireball fly. Right. Out, that's it. Which really just made me think of Doom as opposed yeah. to anything in Mario. I was expecting there to be imps running around, <laughs> but it was um, really strange. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's the final showdown then. Kind of. Yeah, because because what happens is they start doing that. Mario tells luigi to take the girls and get him out he'll face off with koopa or king koopa they wind up on this catwalk thing after they're fighting on this giant like container thing that's being suspended in the middle of the street but they wind up getting out of that and they're on this catwalk and then mario pulls out a bob bomb oh yeah that the fungus gave him earlier in the movie i like that and and so he he winds it up, it starts walking, it falls through the grates, it makes this long trek down there, down the fungus, across the highway, back up, and then under King Koopa. And like, oh man, what happened? Because I know Mario at some point got a super scope, which was the weapon they used to de-evolutionize people. And he used it on King Koopa, the bomb blew up, he landed back in that container, he pops out as like a giant T-Rex, him and Luigi shoot him and he turns into a pile of goo. But at some point, Luigi and Daisy found red haired lady trying to put the meteorite rock back in there. All the ladies get free because they go through the portal. And then when the lady puts the thing into the meteorite, that's where it was. This all happens in between Mario and King Koopa on the catwalk. Luigi and Daisy and the girls, they find the red lady. She puts the meteor rock back in there after the ladies go through the portal, make it back to present day Brooklyn. The meteor rock pulses and kills the red lady. And then Luigi tries pulling the meteor rock out and they do that. But all the while that's going on, Mario and King Koopa and the Goombas are in modern day Brooklyn. And then for some reason they land in the middle of that construction excavation area and then Koopa uses the de-evolutionized Ray thing on Mario, except Mario moves out of the way and it hits Scapelli. Scapelli turns into an ape or a chimpanzee. And Luigi pulls the meteor rock out. They go back to Dino Land. The bomb blows up. And they shoot King Koopa with the de-evolutionized Ray. And then he turns into a pile of goo. Koopa's no more. Yeah. The end. <laughs> and that's it yeah and then they go well that's not even the end you you would hope that's the end because it's like golly please let this be over that's right but then they go back to modern day brooklyn it's like three weeks later at this point because daisy decides um you know she can't she can't leave because she has to stay and be a princess and she has to be with her dad who turns out to be the fungus which we totally glossed over um <laughs> that's right but the fungus is her dad and is the original king of of the Dino Land place. He, but he comes back. He gets turned back from fungus to person. So she stays with him. Yoshi's okay. Toad's still a Goomba for whatever reason. But then you, you fast forward three weeks later after all that happens. And Mario and his girlfriend are hanging out. Luigi's moping on the couch over Daisy. And then you see this news report where this guy's like... Oh, the Mario Brothers did so and so today at the blah blah blah, 
I call them the Super Mario Bros. And it's like, oh my gosh, roll credits already. But yeah, then you hear a, a knocking at the door and Daisy comes in and like kind of like battle garb with one of those guns. Yeah, like Terminator. And she's like, come with me if you want to live. No, but she's like, <laughs> she comes, she comes in and she's like, uh, like, we need your help. Something's going on. She's like, are you, she's like, are you guys uh, ready or whatever? Can you guys help or whatever? Mario starts putting his jacket on. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. I got this. And Luigi's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm a believer now. And then they go to do their thing. And the credits roll. And it's like, it just PTL, this never got a sequel. <laughs> thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. And thanks so much, Logan Sharp of the Reform Gamers podcast for joining me on this truly bizarre episode. The Reform Gamers podcast is five years running with plenty of discussions on video games in the Bible. Check them out on a variety of platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, and even YouTube. You can also support their show on Patreon as well, and receive access to early uncut episodes of the podcast, behind-the-scenes information, and other sweet perks. Now, if you've seen Super Mario Bros., what did you think of it? Do you think this movie offers comedy gold, or is it nothing but a dumpster fire? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss or review on the podcast. You also gain access to the Sindoc Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier. Thank you so much, Mom and Dad. You're the best. All of this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.